What is up, team? Welcome back to the Red Storm Rapper Reaction Podcast. I'm Pat Kane, and joining me again, once again, of course, after St. John's loss, is my good friend Cole Latshaw. St. John's loses 76 or 77 to 67 to Creighton, snapping their uh, two-game, can we call it a streak, winning streak, back on the snide and uh, not looking great. Cole, how you feeling tonight? What's up, man? Yeah, uh, I told you I only work for losses, so you know, you know, you can only hit me up when we lose. I know. So. <laughs> I know. I put the call. We got a two-game winning streak going yeah. there, and uh, you know, now you get me back on the podcast. Uh, I know. I missed the opportunity. I should have reached out, Cole. I had promised you I'd get you after a win, and we had two chances. And you know, lo and behold, who knows if we'll get another opportunity? But I figured if there's anybody better than to talk me off the ledge tonight, it's you. So hopefully, I don't know. You got anything positive for me? I got nothing positive for you, dude. That makes sense. Plenty <laughs> of sense. I mean, where do we start tonight? I mean, we held, this is my first thought, is we held Creighton under 40% shooting tonight. They shot 39% from the field, you know, and you might, you know, you think about St. John's playing Creighton and how hard it is for us to defend them in years past and how easy it seems for them to get shots. Just look back the last uh, game against them in Nebraska when we gave up 104 points. To hold them to 39%, shooting from the field you think you'd have a really good chance and when you say you do that and still somehow manage to lose by 10 points on your home court it's just it's hard to understand you know i've said it before what your identity is as a team because you know your good defensive performances like this or against villanova and games you have to win just aren't enough for your lackluster offense and then your decent offensive performances against you know xavier and marquette aren't good enough when you're giving up 85 95 points a game so where does st john's turn from here it's looking more and more like it's got to be a new coach yeah man it's it's super like deflating um i i think part of the problem tonight like way too many offensive rebounds for creighton uh, you can't give up that many second chance points i think in the first half uh we're creighton had seven offensive rebounds to our zero um, they turn that into 13 second chance points to our, again, zero. Like, uh, you're not going to be a good quality team like that. We got lucky with Creighton not shooting super well from three point. How many? It just it's a staple of St. John's defense, just giving up wide open three pointers. We got lucky where Creighton wasn't hitting a ton of them. They, they just got lucky that they missed wide open threes. And uh, ultimately, Kaluma got hot at the end of the game and seal it away for them. Like, cause we couldn't make a basket at the end. It, it's super deflating. Uh, we've talked about it before in the other times where I'm on, where just St. John struggles at the end of the game. We jokingly call it nut cutting time when the game gets close end of the game, somebody has to do something. Uh, I think we had a, a one point lead with maybe like 13 minutes left on nine possessions following that one point lead we had five turnovers leading leading to a you know uh, ultimately a Creighton 10 point lead that they ended the game on a 29 to 18 run uh what are you going to do like you're not going to you're not going to win a game when you finally finally get a lead towards the end of the game and then have yeah. five turnovers in nine possessions like it, yeah nut cutting time and you know our nuts got the cut and i guess they're cold and uh, it was you know the guys you you look to in those possession in those in that position, you know, specifically Posh and to a lesser extent was Sue, who had those turnovers in that stretch. Um, Storm might have had one, but you know, freshman not gonna point the finger at him. And if those two guys who are your main ball handlers, really your main playmakers at this point, are, are gonna let you down in that situation, you don't have much 
much of a chance. And, you know, because of these, whatever the situation is with Pinzone and Curbelo, you don't have money, um, any other options to go to if, if they're not getting the job done. Um, you, you nailed a lot of stuff there. Really good points. Those, those offensive rebounds in the first half, especially were killer. Felt like a lot of them led to open three point shots too. Um, after the fact, um, my dad used to always say when we were when he'd coach me in little league, you know, you can't give a team four outs, and uh, giving a team like Creighton those offensive rebounds is is a lot like giving a team four outs in baseball. They're a hell of an offensive team, and if you're lucky enough to get a stop on the first shot, you got to make sure you take advantage and wrap up on that on that rebound, or or else they'll make you pay on the offensive boards. And tonight it, it seemed to come in flurries. A lot of those threes, especially first half and a few key ones late, seemed to be off offensive rebounds. Um, killed us. Really did. Sounds like your dad was coaching there. guys tougher than Mike Anderson. So kudos to kudos to Mr. Kane. <laughs> he could lay the law down. He could. He could. Uh, I don't know about the record. We'll have to go back and check the books. But uh, he had a, a few uh, were few wise words of wisdom here and there for sure um yeah it's i don't even know who really played well tonight if anybody did um jones had decent numbers soriano decent numbers but no one really had a great game and you had a chance on creating having an off night although you know i say they shot 39 percent from the field but they did buoy that with shooting 40 percent from three on over 30 attempts so that helps balance that out um still you know, tonight was a night where St. John's never really looked like they had it for for a minute. Creighton was kind of letting them hang around, and like you said, St. John's took a lead, but they couldn't capitalize. Missed another opportunity, and and this season is crashing right down to the ground in front of our eyes. Yeah, definitely want to definitely want to shout out. Uh, you know, uh, especially over the last few games, like Jones coming back after the loss of his father, like. God bless him. Hopefully everything's well with his family, but I feel like he's played really well over the last three games and then taking the ball to the rim, like his hard nose basketball. I appreciate that. Even when his shots aren't falling and even when those takes to the rim, it's at least nice to see somebody being aggressive. Um, tonight like you said like seeing nobody really play well, it, it's hard. It's hard to put a lot of blame on anybody specifically, but really just, seeing posh again with like the lack of progression year to year to see him like really not take that, that next big step. I think tonight he had a, a, a solid stat line for a guy like who does it all with, I think seven points, six assists, five rebounds. But I mean, he's your floor general and you can't have five turnovers out of him, yeah. like, especially without Corbello. Uh, you know, nobody else is handling the ball besides him and King and to have five turnovers from that without like a lot of scoring. I'm not sure exactly what he shot from the field, but. And I, I've said it before and I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how true it is. It just seems, seems to me he, he doesn't want to be a point guard posh. Like hmm. he's so willing to let someone else run the ball up. He just really wants to run the court. He wants to crash the offensive boards. Um, there's very limited times where he's really just the true floor general. I feel like, you know, it's Wusu a lot now. There's Corbello before. It's been done in the past. It's been other guys. And, you know, that's why I never really bought into the fact that it was all Corbello's fault to his poor play because he's playing a new spot. You know, even last year, Wusu played so much point guard with Posh on the floor mm -hmm. um, where that role wasn't necessarily so different. Um, do I think Corbello has played a role in, in poor play? Overall, yeah, but um, to to just point to that as the one reason why you know, like that's the that's the main thing that's that's held Posh back. I think is unfair. He's got enough 
blame to be pointed to him for Bello, but to, to also load that all on him, I think is is unfair and just an easy way to point blame somewhere else. Posh has, has struggled, uh, you know, pretty much game in, game out in stretches with or without Cabello. And I, I think, um, you know, do, do I think he's anywhere as bad as the player he's shown? No, obviously it's a rut, you know, like there is a really good player there and he's, a, he's capable of much more, but um, he really like, has. Playing devil's advocate, like you just say, just it's a rut. It's been basically a full year rut. Like he's had his spurts yeah. this year, but he's had a tough junior season for Posh. Like based on what we expect from him. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's a hundred percent accurate way of characterizing it. Um, and hopefully for his sake, he can finish strong here. And, you know, I hate this, hate to see him end his St. John's career, you know, in a, in a poor season such as this. Mm -hmm. So hopefully there's a lot more good play. We'll see at a flash. And hopefully a, a full another year of tremendous play. That's what we hope. For. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to talk to you after the last game against DePaul. Obviously, we saw a great play drawn up to get that three-point shot to send in overtime. I bring that up to to um, to lay the groundwork for a couple gems we saw tonight. And I'm saying gems sarcastically. If you if you can't picture me um, on YouTube right now, if you're just a if you're just a listener on Spotify, when we were down, I think at seven points at this time, um, we call a timeout. Or actually, it was the under four media timeout in the second half. We're down seven points, three, three, 3.30 left. We inbound the ball. And we don't even manage to get a shot off. And not only did we not manage to get a shot off, we had no purpose, no, um, you know, determined um, set set up. It, it looked like a an aimless sequence of passing around the perimeter, ended up with Storr trying to make a late shot clock drive into traffic, turn the ball over. And if that doesn't just epitomize um, the struggles St. John's has faced in close games, not just this year, but in the Mike Innocent era, then, you know, I'm not sure what else does. Um, you're losing battles right there, you know, not only on the floor with your players, but obviously in the huddle. And give them 100% credit for getting, getting that play drawn against Senior DePaul. doesn't matter if an assistant drove it up over him. And I, it honestly does not matter to me. You know, it's, it's all one staff. Um, but there's too many times – when it's not just a one play, draw it up with a second left to get a shot off. When it's a you know, a uh, a purpose you need to develop coming out of a timeout to to instill confidence, to instill good play down the stretch, and we just come up empty-handed, and it's it's far too too common with this staff. Yeah, hundred percent agree, man. Uh, it, it's kind of mind-boggling to see such a beautiful play like that final second shot drawn that was drawn up for Dylan to get that that last second shot against DePaul, and how we have the ability to do that, and then how we simultaneously have the ability to, like you said, come out of a timeout and not even make a single pass, just get inbounds the ball and watch somebody dribble it around and jack up some. Yeah step back three or something completely contested that like you always say we can get a sh we can get that shot whenever we want like how do we yeah. have any other action going on to you know try to get a better shot i, I don't know it's, it's insanely insanely frustrating and, and you know not only on the offensive end but something else i've been really struggling with all year from this coaching staff on the defensive end is uh, you know i feel like we were sold a bale of goods as far as mike anderson coming in with this 40 minutes of hell thinking that and, and maybe the basketball game has changed than what it was when Nolan Richardson did it. And we were just running this pressing system or he was running this pressing system. And it just seems that 
that full court press that existed in that old Arkansas system just doesn't really exist anymore. It's not as much of a full court trapping system that they run anymore. And it's more some key token pressure by one of the guards as, as the, you know, opposing point guard brings the ball up. And then the defense running this just, Every man switches on defense, which seems to lead to constant breakdowns and constant wide open three pointers, which is just so insanely frustrating because I don't know. It, it can't possibly be a lack of understanding on these players parts at this point in Mike Anderson's tenure. I, I feel almost it's just a, a system issue to where you can't have guys trying to switch on ball screens and having a, I noticed multiple times with Nebhard being guarded tonight by Soriano and a mismatch down low. And that somehow leading to Creighton moving the ball to wide open three. And is it worse one way if he's, if they're understanding correctly and it's not working or if they're not understanding correctly to this point and we're seeing these results, it's like, you know, what do they say? Six in one hand, half dozen in the other. It's, you know, either way, it's a, it's a terrible sign of what's going on in practice. Um, but I agree. I, there's numerous reasons why that system is outdated. I mean, I mean, I don't, do we have time to talk about how much the game has changed? Not only the shooting, the shooting aspect of it, where, you know, you got to cover the, the length of the court much more effectively, but you also can't have a deep team as easily where, the system requires you to play nine, 10 guys. And in order to keep that many guys happy, this day and age is impossible. Kids can transfer out. So to have nine and 10 capable guys on a roster is damn near impossible to have kids buying into that type of style of play is really tough. Um, you're going to, you're obviously playing devils, you know, playing risky game there, giving up shots. So you're going to, uh, you know, it's a high risk, high reward system. And St. John's doesn't have the, the better athletes, the better players, one through nine, to, to, to take those risks on a 40-minute basis. So that's why you don't see 40 minutes of hell. I mean, yeah. Dude, and I don't want to take away too much from your podcast, which is reacting to the game. But to your point, like we're trying – you know, in, in this day and age, you have to keep kids happy. And, and what's going on with the current state of the program? Are we are we keeping these, these kids happy? Because clearly – Andre Prezone is not happy today. Clearly, Andre Corbello yeah. is going on where he's not happy. So I that's uh yeah I don't I don't really know how to break the news on that type of stuff, and I don't like to uh, assume too much stuff that's going on in in college kids' minds. But obviously, it's it's um, pretty apparent something's going on there. And and Pinzone was coincidentally suspended the same day that happened. You know, I don't. I don't, even if what he said is right and it's true, and let's say we agree with what he said, I still think what he did is wrong. You can't really air out your coach on, on social media like that. So I don't have too much sympathy for him getting um, suspended for that. I do have sympathy for him, you know, being in a situation he doesn't appreciate. I, I do have some sympathy, I, but you, you don't go about it that way. No. Um, maybe that's me playing both sides of the coin too much. I don't know. But um, I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think Mike Anderson is the, is the man for the job. No. You know, I think me and you have both agree on that. Um, there's different ways the season could go where it might not be the easiest of choice for St. John's, knowing how St. John's operates. Um, I don't think it will mean much to the, to the fan who's in tune with the program if we're able to finish strong and get in the NIT. You know, that's pretty meaningless to this point in this mm-hmm. season 
with the expectations we had these last two years. Mm-hmm. Will it be meaningless to the admin? Could they be sold, you know, on progress if that were to be the case? Um, I do believe that could happen. That does not seem, you know, far-fetched to me that St. John's could look at uh, 19 wins or whatever we would end up in that situation. Um, some positive momentum at the end of that season and say, all right, let's try one more year to help with the buyout, to help, you know, with the the stigma of firing a coach after extending him two years later. Would I agree with it? No, but I, I could definitely foresee it happening. So it puts yourself in an awkward situation because I'll never be rooting for St. John's to lose a game. You know, I, I could never do that no matter what the situation is. Um, so, you know, I'll still be here every every day rooting for the kids and, and hoping we get wins. But um, St. John's has really got their hands tied and hopefully they'll make the obvious decision to, you know, move forward. Dude, and I love that about you. And, I, you know, obviously you and I are both in the same boat there. And I, I did want to, you know, stand on my soapbox for a little bit here and, and say that it is certainly disheartening to see certain portions of our fan base rooting for the opposite team, posting stuff on Twitter, posting stuff on the message board saying, oh, go Providence, go Creighton, go DePaul. Like, that's not what we're about. We're rooting for kids that are you know, 18 to 23 year olds that are wearing our school on the front of their chest like that. We always have to support them and, and root for the best, regardless of whether or not we think the coach is the best one. And frankly, even if we, like you said, you and I are both obviously of the opinion that the current coach is not the right guy for the long term. And, and hopefully the administration makes the right decision in the off season to make that change. But there are obviously way other bigger factors at play that even you and I aren't privy to. And certainly Joe Schmo posting under St. John's fan two, three, two, four, two bind and nine on Twitter isn't privy to. And that's the fact that there are financial matters at play. You're talking about a university that is literally closing one of their five campuses in the Staten Island campus. They're, they're shutting the doors because they don't have the financial means to, to keep that as a relevant option there. They're you know, reaching out to, uh, professors who are tenured who uh, cost too much money because they want younger professors who cost less money. Like you're going to sit here and tell me that they immediately have $10 million to just pay to tell some guy to go away and bring in some other guy at $6 million a year. Like it, it doesn't necessarily work like that. There are way yeah. bigger factors that we don't understand. So, uh, yeah. but, but again, uh, I just want to say to Joe Smo, one, two, three, four, five, nine, <laughs> five, five, please, you know, I'm not going to unfollow you because you're crazy. If you don't, don't unfollow me, I need the numbers. Don't listen. To <laughs> keep all watching opinions, us. We'll, we'll keep the opinions are out the way you root for St. John, <laughs> but don't unfollow the Red Storm Rapid Reaction podcast because we need your numbers. Well, you know, I do think it's like kind of funny, like I mean, not funny. I do feel for fans. I, I mean, honestly, you know, I might be able to come on here and kind of laugh when I'm talking with you after these losses. But trust me, it, it is killing me inside. And of course. I've been a fan for only the darkest years of St. John's Bass for the last 20 plus years, you know, and um, I hope nothing more to see success. But some of the, um, you know, the fans... The, the way they talk, it's like it's the the very basement of St. John's Bass right now. And I guess I've just seen worse. So I, I guess, you know, I am it's killing me, but I, I don't find it to be as dire as um, some have have pointed it to, like, you know, firing him today or yesterday. I think, you know, you can you can wait to the end of the season and make the right decision. Um, but it, I think it is it's clear that would be the right decision. Is it worth talking about the possibility of running the Big East tournament table and then what your thought would be on the coach? 
is it even worth bringing it up? I mean, like what would happen in, in that case? Like, obviously they're looking and I've seen you made make the point, whether it was on Twitter or, or us talking together before, but uh, they're looking for any means that they can to keep Mike Anderson. Obviously, right. if we ran the table and somehow magically, it, I don't even, I, I don't want to think about possible scenarios. Oh, if we beat Marquette, oh, you know how that works out. But if they made the tournament, I would say even, especially if they won a game in the tournament, I would say there's no question Mike Anderson is our coach next year. Right. Uh, yeah. No question. You can spin that positively. Again, like I, I was just pointing to like financial issues and stuff potentially with, with the university. There's no question in my mind, Mike Anderson, if he somehow made the tournament, whether I, obviously I think that's insanely unrealistic and, mm-hmm. and, and I would maybe not even consider that like a successful tenure for him in year four. Um, I, I think as far as like, we look at Mike Anderson, um, I, I think recruiting is such a big thing in the Big East and you see the level of player. You even, you look at somebody like uh, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, he's bringing in such a higher caliber level of recruit at Georgetown. And obviously he's just an insanely shit coach and just cannot coach up those players. But those are the type of players that you need to bring in to be successful. When's the last time St. John's had a five-star player? I I guess Rashid Jordan probably is the last guy that comes to my What, you know, uh, how many four-star players does Marquette currently have on their team? How what is the the comp- composition that Danny Hurley has uh, on his UConn team? How, how many four-star, five-star kids does he have? Um, yeah. a, a, a po- and not to say not to say that we don't have the right kids. And and even somebody like AJ Store, who was a four-star kid, who was a, a lower in the one hundreds, or Brandon Gardner coming in next year. Those kids obviously can be coached up, and obviously Mike Anderson did an insanely good job on identifying AJ Store as sort of a, a diamond in the rough as far as, far as those four star guards go. But he's not a kid that was labeled by high school those people, those recruiting services. He was yeah. not a kid that was labeled in the in the forties out of his you know top one hundred. He was in the the one hundred level, and um, you know. Yeah. It, it, you love to see a coach come in who could land those high level players and then coach them up. Somebody like a, a, the way Sean Miller's doing currently at, uh, at Xavier and the, yeah. the way he did at Arizona. It's like, that's the type of way, the only way in my mind you can be really truly successful in the Big East. And, and it and, would be so exciting to, you know, to be a, a big shark or a big player in the recruiting game, you know, just to be able to follow that additional aspect. I will say, you know, the the star recruits we don't we haven't matched our Big East counterparts, but when it comes to the roster we've had entering the season these last two years, I think you know by and large we thought we had a tournament caliber caliber roster, mm-hmm. um, and I think you deserve some credit as Mike Anderson to have St. John's have the tournament caliber roster two years in a row, your third and fourth year at St. John's, but also to that same point. It's your failure now if, if you have the caliber of a roster to, to get it done and you don't do it consecutive seasons, well, then what good does it take? Um, so while I agree that recruiting, you know, needs to be addressed and that has to be a, a big thing moving forward, I don't think that's exactly why Mike Anderson failed. I thought he was able to put together quality talent. I thought going into this year we had a, a, a team capable of being an NCAA tournament. I think we still have a talented enough team if put in the right position to, to compete. Um, I do think we've underperformed this year to the talent level we've had. A lot of that has to do with the coaching. A lot of it has to do with just, you know, players being in a rut, like we said. But um, I can't can't say honestly that it's been 
the construction recruiting wise, talent wise, that's been the downfall for Mike Anderson. I think it's really been beyond the core performance, the preparation, the closing of games, um, the decision making, the adjustments that have to be made in close games against quality opponents. That added to the fact that you're not out recruiting, you're just recruiting at a level that's appropriate. And if you're getting under coach or, you know, performing under a level that's, you know, adequate to coach against your peers, then we see what we see. I saw Zach Braziller. I just thought it was a good stat. These last two seasons were five and 21 against Big East teams, not named Butler, DePaul, or Georgetown. So against the teams you really want to be competing with, who you want to be amongst, you know, your peers, you're getting ran over and, and spat on. Five for 21 is abysmal. Yeah, dude, there, there's nothing else to say beyond that. There, that's you shouldn't keep your job when you're performing like that against the, your cohorts of the East. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think they'd fire uh, they'd fire him if he if he made the tournament somehow. But saying that, you also have to consider, which is crazy, that Chris Mullen and, and Steve Lavin both made the tournament right prior to getting fired that, that same season. So it's not like St. John's doesn't have a history of making that decision. Um, I didn't think either of those would happen, and they did. So don't listen to me on, on you know scoops about what the coaching uh, situation will end up being. Um, I don't think we'll make the tournament, so we don't have to cross that bridge. I do think St. John's will probably lose – at Marquette and home to Connecticut to end this season. They'll probably win at Georgetown. They'll probably beat Butler in the Big East tournament opener. That will leave them at 18 wins and whatever, 16 losses. And I think that's enough to determine, you know, St. John's is wise to go in a different direction coaching-wise. Right, you're going you're gonna to pay up the $10 million to get rid me? of me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to donate 50% of um, all my YouTube earnings. So thank you to all you St. John's fans for subscribing and liking and following along um you help me get paid and i'll help you know fork the buyout over there you pay for pat's uh eight thousand yeah. square foot man nil nil baby we'll just work it in we'll work it in cool thanks a lot dude we didn't even have to look at the box score no sense in looking at it no sense in looking at the team score uh me and you breaking this down was enough um you know i promise you this time i'll at least extend the offer next time st john's win you have an open invitation you let me know if you want to come on if it doesn't happen well don't blame me. All right. All right, brother. So I'll talk to you next year then. Is that how it's going to work? 2023 <laughs> 24. You'll see Cole back on the Red Storm Rap Reaction Podcast. <laughs> All right, brother. All right. For uh, Daryl Showtime Hill, this has been Pat Kane and Cole Latshaw, Red Storm Rap Reaction Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Peace.